0: that in a larger worship service you don't get to know people as you should and if you really want to grow you need to be in a smaller group. If you want to care for others and have them care for you you need to be in a smaller group. And then ushering forth from the wonderful work that God has done in our life is this privilege of serving. We talked about last week the fact that Jesus came to this world. He was God equal with God did not think that position something to hang on to, but willingly left the privileges of heaven coming to this earth as a man to die. And not just die, but die on the cross. Die as a criminal. Die as a sinner. Not that he sinned, but our sin was placed upon him. He was made sin for us. He became our sin sacrifice, and that's what we're acknowledging today in the communion service. And then Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It is the mind, it is the heartbeat, the attitude of a humble servant. Now, there's so much more that we could say about this concept of servitude, but I would like to direct you to 1 Peter chapter 4. And in particular, I want to start out with a statement that is found in verse 7. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, The end of all things is near. There's a cheery note to start out our worship service. The end of all things is near. Now you may be thinking, when was that written? About 63 A.D., which is over 1,500 years ago. Uh, The word near means approaching and also in the book of Peter we recognize that our timetable is not the same as God's timetable. Uh, a, A thousand years for us is like a day for him and so what might seem like an unbelievable long time for us is a couple days on God's calendar. But the point of fact is this, the end is coming. We all must die, and we may die and go to Christ before he comes for us. We don't know the plan, but we do know this, the end of all things is near. Now, when people hear that, they often react in different ways. Some huddle together with family and friends to try to make the most out of the last few moments. There are others who perhaps hide in an underground survival shelter, stocked with food, waiting for the last apocalypse. Others might say, you know, if the end is near, then I'm going to have one final fling, one final decadent bash. I'm going to go out with all the gusto I can. And so people, without hope, often live it up. But what should we do because the end is near? Well, Peter says, therefore, this is what I want you to do. Be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. There are several things that Peter mentions for us to do, to be active in. And the first is this idea of prayer, verse seven. And we should pray devotedly. According to verse seven, Clear-minded and with self-control. Those are words that mean serious, um, committed. And so I've chosen the word devoted. Clear-minded means of a sound mind. In other words, realizing that uh, the end is coming. Get involved in something that can really make a difference. And get serious about prayer. Pray devotedly. That's what you can do because the end is near. Secondly, um, love deeply. Because love, verse 8, covers a multitude of sins. What does that mean? Probably two different things. If you mess up, love can, has the ability to heal the brokenness. Also, love can prevent you. From getting into sin so it works either way if the problem has blown up love can come in to renew and if we love God and obey his commandments that will keep us from sinning therefore a multitude of sins can be covered or avoided. Love one another deeply. Thirdly share cheerfully. And here you just have the simple admonition to uh, practice hospitality. Offer hospitality to one another and do it without grumbling. Sometimes we do the right thing with the wrong attitude. Hospitality or sharing what we own with those in need, again, is a wonderful privilege. And generosity should be known by this hilarity of giving as opposed to giving Grudgingly. And then he adds this serve faithfully, because I've gifted you to serve. So the end is near. What should we do? Pray devotedly, love deeply, share cheerfully, and serve faithfully. Verse 10 says, each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now look at that verse just for a moment. By the way, I believe this section of scripture gives to us um, maybe the most comprehensive statement on the spiritual gifts that you can find in one place. Whenever you study a subject in the scripture, you want to gather all the data, biblical data data you can. And uh, there are four major passages that deal with the spiritual gifts. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. So think of 12 and 12, 4 and 4. And those are the major passages. There are others, but the major passages that deal with the spiritual gifts. So we're looking at 1 Peter 4. And what Peter wants to do, because the end is near, is to awaken believers to the reality that you have a spiritual gift. Each one of us as believers, each one of you is gifted. And notice the gift has been received. And notice the gift is by God's grace. That's all pertinent knowledge when developing a theological understanding of the spiritual gifts. They are God-given. The Living Bible talks about the fact that God has given to each one of us a special ability. That's another way to describe it as a believer Uh, A special ability to do something that will advance his kingdom. You say, well, I don't think I can do anything. I don't think I have any special abilities. Don't trust your senses. Trust the scriptures. God says you do. Believe what God says. There are other portions of scripture that emphasize this. So. Michael read a moment ago from Romans chapter 12, and it says that God has given to us a measure of faith. Therefore, if you have this gift, use it. If you have this gift, use it. And it mentions seven different gifts. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Don't be arrogant. But don't think more lowly of yourself than you ought to think. Like the person who mopes around saying, I can't do anything. I have no abilities. That's not true. God has gifted you. Ephesians chapter 4 says that the Lord Jesus has given grace to each one of us. To each of us, grace has been given by the ascended Christ. Christ measures it out. Christ apportions the gifts. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave Gifts to people. Not gifts to me. That should be gifts to men. Or gifts to all of us. Or I suppose if you're reading the verse, that's very appropriate. He gave me a gift. But it comes from Christ. It comes from the Father, Romans 12. It comes from the Son, Ephesians 4. And look at this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, All these... That is, these spiritual abilities and gifts are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives to each one of us, each believer, just as he determines. So now you've got the triune God giving gifts to the church. So that every believer has a spiritual ability, a role to play in the body of Christ. We are all many members, Paul said in Romans 12. He says the same thing in 1 Corinthians 12. We're all many members in this one body. One body, many members, different functions. You understand that from basic anatomy. Do you understand it from basic ecclesiology? It's the way the church is made up. And I'm dependent on you and you're dependent on me. And together we form the body of Christ and do the work of Christ. By the way, it's also very interesting to note that the Holy Spirit gives gifts as he determines. See that last word in verse 11? You don't choose your gift. You don't create it. You don't choose it. So don't brag about it. Don't depreciate your gift. It's God's choice. Don't brag about it. It's God's gift. By the way, in 1 Peter chapter 4, the word gift is the Greek word, wait for it, charisma. You've got charisma. Now, I don't mean personality because some of you, some of us don't have Charisma when we talk about personality but we have charisma meaning a gift by God's grace that we don't deserve in which we can function and play a vital role in the body of Christ. There's a lot of gift envy going on in the church. Man, I wish I had. Do you hear Carol and Nico sing? I mean, isn't that, that's a gift. And you say, wow. I wish I could sing like that. That's called gift envy. (laughs) Lord, why didn't you give me a gift like that? And we began to complain. Instead of using our gifts, we complain. God gave you just the right gift to play the right role in the body of Christ. And when you find your role, you will be more fulfilled and satisfied than doing anything else in the world. A young boy was trying out for a a play, a school play, and he had his heart set on getting a part. And his mom was a little frightened that he would be disappointed. You know, it's tough to let your kids go out there and fail. And she didn't think maybe he had much ability. So anyhow, she, she went to the school to pick him up, and the parts had been given out, and she looked on the bulletin board, and sure enough, her son didn't get a part. He was, he was of, the, of the list of people at the bottom of the page that said walk-ons. There was her son. She said, oh no, he's really going to be upset. So she goes to pick him up and he comes out and he's smiling and he says, mom, guess what? I've been chosen to clear and to cheer and clap for everyone else. Wow, (laughs) she wasn't expecting that. Oh, I'm just a walk-on. I didn't get my role. No, I've been chosen to cheer for everyone else. And you and I need a little more of that insight into the purposes of God. Because God is never too wise to be mistaken. God God is always too wise to be mistaken. He is always too kind. good to be unkind. And so when we don't understand and when we can't see his hand, we need, when we can't, I'll get it right here, when we can't trace his plan we are to trust his heart, right? So you are gifted, I am gifted by God for his glory, for the body of Jesus Christ and we need to use those gifts. The second thing that I want to emphasize from this passage is the reason for the gifts. The gift received now must be the gift employed. Each one of us should use their gift. There's not only a lot of gift envy going on, there's a lot of gift neglect. Use whatever gift you've received To serve other people. There it is. You've been gifted to serve. That's the reason. You've not been gifted to gain attention for yourself. You've not been gifted to become wealthy. Although wealth is not necessarily wrong. But some people are extremely gifted and they prostitute their gifts. Using it for their own glory and their own purposes. Instead of for the glory of God. You can prostitute a gift. Misuse it. So use your gift not to serve yourself, but to serve others. What is your gift? Find out what it is and use it. I find it interesting that in 1 Timothy, Paul uh, is writing to Timothy, and he says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, don't neglect the gift that is in you, Timothy. Timothy. And as I meditate upon that phrase, it makes me think that perhaps Timothy was neglecting his gift. And Paul said, don't do it. Stop neglecting your gift. I don't know how long it was. Several years later, Paul writes 2 Timothy, and he says in chapter 1, Timothy, fan into a flame the gift That God has given you. Is it possible that after three years, Timothy still wasn't using his gifts as he should have? Now, you can't choose your gift, but you can grow your gift. You can develop your gift. You can cultivate your gift. You can fan your gift into a flame. God gives you the spark, you've got to develop it by His grace, with His strength. And so perhaps Timothy was doing exactly what many of us do. We don't like our gift, so we just don't use it. The body of Christ hurts when that is the case. Nikolai Paganini, well-known famous violinist, when he passed away Gave his violin to his city, Genoa. With this one stipulation, it is to be preserved, put on display in a museum-like setting, and no one can ever play it again. <laughs> Here's my gift. Don't everyone, don't anyone ever play it. But when God gives gifts, He says they're not for preservation. For therefore implementation they're not for show they're for use use it for the glory of God use it you say pastor I don't know what my gift is let me give you a few steps in how to discover your gift it's not necessarily easy you've got to work at it but you first of all start out praying it's a good place to start in any list Pray. Secondly, you need to explore the scriptures to study the subject of spiritual gifts Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Study what the scripture says about the gifts. And then experiment, try them out. What's your passion? What do you think you could do? What would you like to do? You may try something that doesn't work, but exercise the gift. And then the last step is evaluation. So you've got supplication, you've got exploration in the scriptures, you've got experimentation with the gift, and then evaluation. Evaluation is, how did I respond? Was, did I sense that I was fulfilled? Was there fruit? How did others respond to my gift? If I told you I have the gift of singing and uh, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to use that gift and I use the gift and you say, you know what, Don, I would encourage you to keep looking for your spiritual gift because <laughs> I don't think you've found it yet. Sometimes we think we have found our gift, but the church is around us to help us confirm that gift. And then, if that doesn't work, keep praying, keep studying, keep experimenting until you find your gift. Don't give up. Don't neglect it. Then I want you to know, thirdly, the range of gifts. The Bible says a lot about the fact that there are various gifts. Look at the last part of verse 10. We are to serve other people's, people with our gift, administering God's grace in its various forms. That's a very interesting word. By the way, that same Greek word, various or multicolored, is used in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, verse 6, when it talks about various trials. And so here you have God's grace in its various forms. I love putting those two together. I love the correlation because for the various trials I face, there is the various multicolored grace of God to meet every situation. And the gifts are various and they administer God's grace. By the way, when you use your gift, you are dispensing... The grace of God to others. That's a pretty cool concept. That's the way the grace of God is dispensed. By you using your gift to bless someone, to serve them. And as you serve them, grace flows from God through you to them. You're administering God's grace in its various forms. One body, many members, different functions... That's repeated over and over and over again. So have you found your gift? If you have, I think it excites you. It energizes you. And when you use it, you're effective. And the church is richly blessed. Now, when you talk about the range of gifts, look at verse 11. Because in one sense, most gifts fall into two categories. Verse 11 says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should serve with the the strength that God provides. Most of the spiritual gifts mentioned in the Bible fit under these two categories. Speaking gifts and serving gifts. Uh, The the teaching and the prophecy and the exhortation or preaching. Even the supernatural gifts of tongues fall under that speaking category. And then the serving category is rather broad with gifts like giving and administration and helps and uh, interpretation of tongues. And so many other things, gifts of healing uh, as they were used in the first century. In my understanding, you've got the speaking gifts. They're ministering the word. And then you've got the serving gifts. They're helping to minister the word. And then you've got the sign gifts, which were probably primarily temporary. And they were used to confirm those who were ministering the word like apostles and prophets. But the point is, there are gifts And there's a full range of them and it's like colors. There may be three primary colors or eight primary colors, whatever it is. But how many different colors can you make by mixing the primary colors? You have natural gifts. If you're a Christian, you have spiritual gifts... You have a unique personality that's different from others and experiences that no one else has had. Mix those four primary factors together and you, my friend, are unique in the kingdom of God and if you don't play your role, it doesn't happen. And sad is the church when it doesn't happen. And let me mention one final thing. The ultimate result. I suppose you could say this is also another reason for it. But the ultimate result, verse 11 says, so that, it's always a purpose statement. When you see that in the scriptures, here's the purpose. So that in all things, God might be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be glory. Glory. Forever and ever. So get this. The reason for using the gifts is that I might serve others and dispense God's grace to them. The ultimate reason for using the gifts is so that God will be praised and glorified. If I don't use my gifts, I'm robbing God of glory. What's the purpose for the Ten Commandments? They're divided into two sections. So that we might rightly relate with God and the second table so that we might rightly relate with one one another. Vertical, horizontal. What's the purpose of the great commandment? Love God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. What's the purpose of the spiritual gifts? Serve one another, dispensing the grace of God, so that God is glorified. That's the purpose for life. Expressed over and over and over again. So here's a good definition of a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is a God-given desire and ability. It's a desire, something you want to do, and the ability to do it, to serve God and others so that people are edified and God is glorified. There's a dual purpose to it all. And that's why you exist, to glorify God, and serve others have the mind of Christ life gets exciting when you fulfill your purpose many years ago I was pulling into a church and uh, had my family with me and because of my daughter Kim's wheelchair we have a handicap sticker on our van at that time and, and so I pulled into a handicap spot and immediately following the handicapped parking spot was a sidewalk and immediately right up to the sidewalk was the building of the church. There was no place to put a, a pole to put the handicap sign on so instead of a pole they just put the handicap sign on the church building. Parking lot, sidewalk, Building And I pulled in, and I can't remember remember why I was waiting, but it caught my eye. Here's a handicap sign on the church building. And I kind of laughed. It it looked like it's saying the church is handicapped. (laughs) Then I stopped laughing because I said the church is handicapped whenever we don't use our spiritual gifts. This church is limping. We're healthy, but at times we're limping because some part of the body is not doing what God has called them to do. Oh, but when you get a body working in sync, I would like to ask you the question, how many of you have bodies that are working in sync? (laughs) Many of us would say no, and you know what it is to have just one part. Yeah, about 95% of the body's working, but this 5% is killing me. And does that not affect everyone else in the body? It sure does. By the grace of God, find your gift. Use your gift. Each believer has been gifted by God in different ways. For the same glorious purpose. Heavenly Father. I pray this morning that you will help each one of us. See the importance of discovering our spiritual gift. The risen Christ who died to save us. To save us by grace. Has determined that we are to be fashioned by him. As his workmen; That we are to be gifted by him. As his dispensaries. To be used by him as his servants. Through which his mighty grace reaches the world. Lord, let me not miss this most exciting journey of all of life. And whatever you call me to do in my vocation. May I understand that this indeed is my calling. And may I give you glory and serve others by it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.